1: Welcome to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels from the Santa Monica studio on this Monday, day one of the 2023 US Open. We've got two episodes this week, so this is an official bonus show, but we have to do it big for the year's fourth major in Flushing Meadows, New York. Nick McCarville joins the show from the US Open media room on site. McCarville is a longtime journalist, broadcaster, on-court interviewer, and announcer. He has a lot to say about the start of the U.S. Open. Novak Djokovic's return to the States. Carlos Alcaraz coming in, trying to defend his title. The race for number one on the women's side with Igas Swiatek and Sabalenka. How the Americans like Coco Gauff, Tommy Paul, Taylor Fritz, Francis Tiafo, Jessica Pagua, to name a few. How they will respond to the pressures and bright lights of playing at home in New York City. Lots of good U.S. Open talk with Nick Carvel. And then we finish the show with two more interviews from the WTA Tennis in the Land event in Cleveland, Ohio, that wrapped this past Saturday. Clara Tawson from Denmark and Alexandra Sastovich from Belarus. Join me for one-on-one interviews discussing their careers, their year, and what they're looking to accomplish going into the U.S. Open and beyond. We start the show with Nick McCarvel at Tennis Channel Inside, and let's get it going. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In. We're on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels from the Santa Monica Studios. By the time you hear this episode, we will have first ball action. uh, Day of, actually. Joined now by Nick McCarville, journalist who's been on the show before. A lot to discuss. He's been at the Open. He's been really chasing the tennis calendar, all North American hardcore season. But, Nick, welcome back to the podcast. Good to talk to you.
2: Yeah, hey, Mitch. Uh, greetings from a busy press room on the eve of the US Open. I, I know when most people listen, it'll be the, the US Open has started, as you say, but it's been a, a really buzzy week here, uh, getting, you know, ready for the US Open. And I think they had something like 120,000 fans. Wow. uh, here through the gates for fan week alone, which is pretty awesome. So yeah, the buzz is real.
1: How, uh, and I, I can't wait because it's, it's a big occasion. We're, we're doing this on the weekend. We just can't wait till tomorrow. One more sleep as they say, but how, how has your schedule been, you know, following the tennis calendar? I know you were working Cincinnati into the qualifying, which was a beast that we'll get into entirely, but how has it been, you know, the ramp up, which a lot of people start tuning in on the, on the ride, but you've kind of been in it the whole step.
2: Yeah, actually, I, I oftentimes love my, you know, last year I did Toronto. I've done Toronto a few times, but this year I didn't do Toronto. Um, I did Cincinnati. I was on court three. I was one of the MC hosts there and it's cool Mitch, because you get to feel the kind of like vibe of how players are feeling and what the tension is. And you know, the conditions in Cincinnati are are quite similar to the U S open, I think so yeah I mean I mean that's been good and then I I had one day off like flew flew to New York and um yeah the I I will say like I've done fan week now for several years especially since 2020 you know they've really ramped it up yeah and it it felt like like nothing really I've ever seen before and I especially loved it you know yesterday there was a ton the crowds were amazing for some of the qualifiers and like to qualify for a slam yeah. i think for a lot of them to qualify for your first slam and to do it in front of you know like four or five six people deep on these side courts is pretty cool
1: yeah one thing you said i wanted to harp back to you were court three cincinnati and if i have that correct court three cincinnati was one of the matches that i enjoyed the most in the tournament which was mom nori early on you were, were you there for that one
2: yeah, it was. And uh, I mean, we had a few different great matches yeah. on Stadium Three. We had Djokovic doubles. That was his mm-hmm. first match in Cincinnati. We have Vavrinka, yeah. But Malfis just turns it out and people love him so much. I think they obviously love the, the, the style and sort of the showmanship. But then I think he's also grown into kind of this cult. Like people love that he's elongated his career mm-hmm. and... I mean that was as packed as we had all week. Yeah. Those Monfie Snori,
1: yeah. So many storylines in tennis this year alone, but is kind of getting overshadowed for what he's been able to do coming back from the injury and keeping it going, as you said. Uh, getting to the U.S. Open qualifying because you brought up another great point that these tournaments, these qualifying tournaments across the board, even for majors, don't necessarily have the fan support that the U.S. Open had. So qualifying got through. I think that's the first thing, right? It was a, it was a struggle. Mother Nature almost didn't allow it, but props to everybody involved for getting us through and, you know, an exciting qualifying event that saw some players make their name and make their mark to get in. I'll start with though, love the ceremony I saw on Twitter where they present the ball to the players that, you know, get through the open. Cause a lot of these players haven't done it before. So to be honored like that by the head of the USTA was a pretty cool experience.
2: Yeah. I think, um, I think the one, at least that I saw was Zach Sfida. Yeah. um, which, I mean, he's played the U S open before, so maybe not as special, <laughs> but, I think too, like the USTA has tried to do like different things around, you know, obviously I'm working for them here, but you look at like the different things that these different tournaments try to do. And I think giving them the like ceremonial ball and a framed photo and like have this whole moment of qualifying for a a main draw at a major. And I think too Mitch, like we talk about, you know, the ATP just unveiled this like financial security program if you're in the top 200 baseline, you know, we talk a lot about the financial challenges for top two hundred, I mean for tennis players in general, but first round of the US open's eighty thousand <laughs> bucks. You know, like that's yeah. gonna go far if yeah. you're trying to level up your game. And now we know that investment, you need investment to get to this next level. So yeah, I I agree with you. I like the ceremonial part parts of it too.
1: Yeah, they're making steps. I mean, some could argue, and, and we're not going to do it now. But it's you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. It's going to be a process, and it's getting better. And I think that's the the beautiful part of this. Uh, I mentioned Mother Nature. I wanted to get your thoughts on kind of qualifying what stood out because to me the first story was the Fiona Crowley story to get in, but having her match suspended at like five all in a deciding set tiebreaker was pretty exciting. But uh, what what stood out for you in the qualifying tournament? The highs, maybe some of the lows of what you saw.
2: The biggest thing to me, Mitch, is that the margins are so thin, right? Like, uh, I, you like you, you, just look at all these players and the talent levels that, that's there. I, I did on Friday afternoon, I did the world feed. So we're bouncing all over from, you know, the end of the Tamea Babosh, Fiona Crowley match, and then we're going over to Tana Sengren, and then we're going to Hugo Gaston. And, and, you know, like the Fiona Crowley thing, amazing. And then to see Zach Vida, I think, who's got just like such pure, beautiful ball striking. Mm-hmm. But then actually, like you say, like the heartbreak of it, like tennis. Sangren um, was playing a, a French player who I'm blanking on his name. But he's up five. Mm-hmm. I think he served for the match at five, three, five, four in the third set. And you could just see that he completely capitulated, mm-hmm. you know, I, and, and the pressure. And you get to these moments where that can be really tough. We were just talking about on U.S. Open Radio about uh, Barna Gojo, Goyo, uh, qualifying. I think there's a lot of, I mean, he's a beast. He looks really good. Yeah. Uh, he's got the titanium. He's got the dyed hair right now going on. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think, uh, yeah, the margins to me, that's the biggest thing. And then I just love, I really do love that people can come for free. I said 130,000. I think that's accurate um 120 Mm -hmm. uh and get up close and see obviously a lot of people are going to like the the star practices watching you know Iga Carlos Coco Francis whoever in the big stadiums but like seeing the qualifying up close is pretty pretty cool pretty brutal though because the (laughs) margins are so slim in that way
1: yeah, the other one that unfortunately stood out to me was Max Cressy. That was a tough loss. I think it was like a really long, heavy tiebreak break late uh, struggling. And that's how tennis is. You're, you ride the hot hand, and there's peaks and valleys, and there's a lot of ups and downs. But we'll see now with the Open starting. I did want to mention some of the lighter stuff, too. You're, you're always a mainstay at the fun events, the charity events. The stars of the Open tennis was pretty exciting to see. You had some celebrity appearances. You had... Alcaraz, Tiafo out there, Iga made her appearances just to name a few. But what was that experience like? Because not only is it essentially it's very popular, but we're starting to see the crossover now. We're starting to see basketball players and entertainers really, you know, buy into the lead up to the U.S. Open.
2: Yeah, and I think that's actually been kind of the theme of this last week is what is the crossover, you know, and there's a lot of different ones that are going on culturally with a lot of the American players. I think we're on the morning TV shows this last week. Yeah but stars of the open we had a uh, it was cool because you know Jimmy Butler Miami Heat obviously Jimmy Buckets comes and you know he's got 10 million Instagram followers but he's more like a one name a one name household name for a lot of people you know people know who Jimmy Butler is and I have to say Mitch like we Blair Henley and I went back into the green room and he's like fully kitted up in his ball crew outfit and he's like pumped and he's Mm -hmm. nervous and, you know, here's this like NBA icon who's six yeah. foot eight and like, you know, ripped his sh- and he's like, so excited to go out on court with Carlos mm-hmm. and Francis. And then I think those clips obviously did really well online. They also had Sebastian Yatra, who is a global recording artist. I mean, you know, some people mm-hmm. will absolutely know who he is. Other mm-hmm. people have no idea, but 30 million Instagram <laughs> followers. Yeah. But they liked did a whole buildup of him with Rafa and then with Carlitos. So, yeah, and and I think finding, you know, like in March, I did the um, I did the Desert Smash fundraiser and we had Pink come and she was so into it. Yeah. And I think it's actually the job of the sport to find these people, the Jimmy Butler, Sebastian Yatra, Pink, Mm -hmm. the people that are really into it, then you can like have that cultural crossover too.
1: I remember Pink, too. She was taking photos with everybody. It wasn't just like she was coming to see the top players. She was fully invested. And, uh, yeah, Jimmy Butler loves tennis, we know. I mean, why else would you go to Argentina on a break to watch Alcaraz play? I mean, it's, you know, he loves the game. We'll, we'll see if the, the ground strokes get a little better, but he's obviously got his head into it. It's been, it's been fun to see the Kids Day stuff especially. And I even think I saw Djokovic play a couple points with a frying pan. Yeah,
2: <laughs> was it a frying pan or a spatula, spatula yeah. it was some sort of yeah. yeah some sort of um kitchen kitchen utensil that is like really like Novak I mean we, knew, we already knew that he was one of the most like pure ball strikers and you know
1: mm-hmm.
2: next at the next time give him a number two pencil <laughs> and he'll be fine so
1: Have you been surprised at all or is this what you expected that the crowds, you know, the matches haven't started yet, but it's been a few years since they've seen Novak and it seems like they love him and maybe as much or if not more than ever, given the fact that he hasn't been here. Also, he is the last of his era, the last of that generation of the big three, essentially with Nadal and and Federer out this year and beyond, but Novak's love and that crowd adulation, did that surprise you at all? no i mean
2: yeah i'll say um in cincinnati like the one of the first nights watched this like huge group of people walking through the grounds and i kind of like went over there to see what was going on and novak was just walking to his practice court um i think the crowds actually were like very supportive and welcoming Mm -hmm. to novak i noticed like a little bit of lukewarmness in new york but it's obviously the first time he's been back in the state since the vaccine Mm -hmm. mandate has been lifted And I think, yeah, like you say, like people are have this like great respect for him being a part of the era that he is. And I think we saw in Cincinnati too in that final against Mm -hmm. Alcaraz, like he push he's pushing himself Mm -hmm. so much and Mm -hmm. and maybe just starting to show it a little bit too, Mitch. Mm -hmm. Like the physicality is that that's not like at times it's (laughs) felt like Novak is like, you know, not human. And I felt like we were getting a little more of the like human Mm -hmm. feel from him. But I yeah, I I will be curious and and the New York crowd can be a little fickle, Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, for the most part, the the um, feedback, especially in Cincinnati, I haven't seen as much here in New Mm -hmm. York has been has been massive for him. Yeah.
1: I uh, agree, and and I think that New Yorkers also remember those heartfelt moments, and it's easy to forget twenty twenty one when he didn't get the calendar slam. He gave a pretty good speech, and, and the crowd did you know shower him with praise, maybe for the first time truly. And I think that's going to go a long way too. I think they're New Yorkers are a certain way, but they definitely remember when you show them love.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do agree with that, and I I think that. Um, yeah i he he's here to win the slams like Mm -hmm. that is i mean obviously he wanted to win cincinnati i think it i think it bolsters his chances he and alcaraz obviously on opposite sides of the draw Mm -hmm. but i think that he is very clear that he's here to to win to win and i think he does kind of like being on the island of you know you still got murray you still got vavrinka but he is on Mm -hmm. this like sort of island of elite And I think that he's enjoyed that a bit too.
1: Absolutely. Uh, And he, he, along with Carlos Alcaraz, the two co-favorites, essentially Djokovic jockeyed in front of him with that epic win in Cincinnati. Uh, And one thing I want to say about that, and I'm interested in your perspective, obviously the tennis is amazing whenever they link up and there's no sure things in tennis, which is why I bring up this point. I don't want to take for granted any of these matchups, regardless of where they're played. And also We've learned in the past, right, that there's no. I mean, Federer and Nadal never played each other here. So while we're all maybe salivating for the match of Djokovic Alcaraz, there are no guarantees and there is no, you know, certainty that this will happen. So I do think anytime they play, we got to appreciate it, given the age and the respective, you know, miles, especially on Djokovic.
2: Yeah, and I feel like I mean, Cincinnati was that opportunity. I mean, obviously, it came what five <laughs> weeks to the day after yeah. the Wimbledon final, which was an immense. Yeah. But I, I agree with you on that and. I think at times the tennis actually wasn't like that high of quality but the drama was always there 100% the agree. Yeah. Felt, yeah the fact that Novak was like down and out then comes back in the second set saves the championship point and also I haven't really seen Carlos express himself like he sat down I was courtside at that point he sat down in his player bench after the second set and pounded the yeah. arm of it i mean like really let out some anger yeah. frustration and anger and i actually think that's a good yeah you know i don't think carlos has faced that kind of stuff very many times before so i think it's i think that was mm-hmm. a, a maturation moment mm-hmm. for him yeah. and then i'm curious he's been such a sponge the last couple of years mitch yeah. i'm curious how he then turns and uses that experience at the u.s open because there's always the argument in sport that you want to peak you want to peak at the right moment, right? Mm-hmm. Not to say that was Novak's peak, but that Carlos was, like, denied the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, like, necessarily hurts him in New York. You no,
1: know, it's crazy to think a guy that talented can still learn and improve, but we saw areas where it's like, oh, he could clean up some stuff. He can stay focused a little more when he has these big points. But I, I agree that I think expressing yourself and showing that frustration can be a good thing, and it's while segueing into somebody else who's near the top of the uh, contenders list in Yannick Center. You know, I know the press conferences, there's some, there's some softballs in there, but there's some really intel, journalistic questions that get good answers. And I was very struck by what Sinner said about how he's processing losses now. He referenced that French Open match this year, and he said, I can't lose like that again, which was a very mature response. That was a disaster of a match for him down the stretch, and he knows losses will happen, but the maturity process and the learning and how he's done since then I think has really shown.
2: Yeah, and I think you look at, obviously, there's been a lot made of the Darren Cahill impact, but I think that that is actually something that Cahill's really brought to his team. And one of the events we did this week in Armstrong, there was a sinner practice, like, right up until we, we came on to do all of our, like, microphone tests. And just, like, watching them, you know, they, like, did this whole, like, 10 minutes of just working on drop shots, and they did a whole 10 minutes of, like, going up the line in a forward motion on the backhand to get in off of a short ball. And then to have, as you say, the mentality around what sort of stock are they taking from each of the losses. And I think too, like, to be able to win in um, Toronto, obviously it wasn't the like biggest headline of, you know, he beats Demon, Demonora in the final. Now it wasn't the hardest draw, but he gets a Masters 1000 for the first time. He's reached his first major semifinal having done so at Wimbledon. So I think there's a lot of those building blocks that Sinner's been able to put together too.
1: He's a for-sure contender going forward into this event. The confidence is there. He's getting some continuity.
0: Sinner's definitely one to watch. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology. With its sleek, mid-cut silhouette, it's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: As we move along here with Nick McCarville on Tennis Channel Inside In, I wanted to talk about some of the women now coming into this tournament. And, you know, there's favorites and we know the, the battle at the top is, is you know, pretty pretty tough right now because Iga's coming into defending champ. Hasn't quite been as crisp as in years past. Still very, very talented and and going deep in all these tournaments. But it's a real race now with her for the number one ranking. Sabalenka is on her heels. And I'm interested to see the pressure, not so much of defending a slam, but that number one spot with a bona fide contender in Arena Sabalenka. We'll see what happens there. This race could be, you know, it's going to continue to go on, Nick. But it's one of the storylines I'm going to be watching this open.
2: Yeah, I mean, certainly. And, you know, for Iga, I think a lot we talk about learning curves like mm-hmm. you said for sinner i mean for iga i think she learned a lot from being reigning champion defending champion at the french open and then was actually able to to defend that title i think that was huge you know you you say like she i don't know I, last year she wasn't in the best form coming into the u.s open either mm-hmm. so i actually think she's in a good like she made 2 semifinals semi-finals or yeah. it was a quarterfinal yeah. a semi-final whatever she yeah. She made a couple decent runs. Mm -hmm. I kind of like where she's sitting. And she said she did the media day stuff with us for the fans. And she said that, you know, I I learned a lot from defending that title in Paris.
1: Yeah. And so I think she could use it here. I'm glad you said that because I do think that, you know, in regards to someone like Coco Goff, who had their breakthrough and beat Iga at that tournament in Cincinnati and route to winning it people might be overlooking Iga's greatness in the sense that, you know, Coco got her, but that doesn't mean Iga's not still at the top of the game. And I, you know, always be careful of those lurking champions that aren't, you know, getting the respect that they deserve. So I think Iga's in a, in a great position in that regard. Sabalenka is one though, that she's gotten here, not by accident. You know, she's gotten here, she's earned it. She goes deep into the events as well. So the pressure though, to get to number one, it's that final step. And I think that, you know, pressure is what, you know, determines who these champions are, but Sabalenka is firmly in the mix
2: yeah I mean the tools are all there right you know for Iga like you say but then also for Sabalenka and I, I we can we can continue the theme a little bit of like having had learning from every step and I think for Sabalenka that French Open semifinal mm. against Mukava mm. and then the Wimbledon semifinal against Shabur yeah. Those are those are situations where then she's going to have to use that, Mitch. Mm-hmm. And think of last year, she was up on EGA 4-2 in the third set here in the semifinals. So mm-hmm. she gets the Australian Open, which is big. But then utilizing those experiences, and it feels like now we've arrived at this point in the women's game where you do have all of these players like, Mm-hmm. Kind of, Rabakina is obviously the, the viral illness, I think, really has thrown her off this yeah. summer. But but you mentioned Iga, Sabalenka, Coco, throw in Pagula. For sure. And then I, I, do, th- I do think Anjabur is sitting in, yeah. in a good place as well.
1: Yeah, if... Sabalenka would have won that match at Wimbledon. She would have been number one, and that was the match that cost her there. But you also listed five majors in a row where she's made the semifinal or better. So that's, I mean, that's consistency there. Anjibor, and I'm glad you brought her up because she's been pretty open as well that the match at Wimbledon, the final, took a lot out of her. And processing it was hard. It's hard for any tennis player, who especially when you haven't won that major. But she's saying all the right things, and she still has the game to get back to the final, if not win this tournament. What have you seen from Anz this week in the lead up and where are you at with her as she looks to get back to the final? I
2: mean, wow. You know, she's, she's someone that always gives us, I think way more than we expect her to in, in when we speak with her and the insight. And I've heard from, I think a lot of people saw a break point and the, the disappointment that she faced having made the major final she did last year mitch mm-hmm. um, i've heard that there was even more disappointment from what she faced this year and losing to vandrosova um but you know I, I think it's gonna be we didn't mention this with fiontech but you know the balls have changed these are heavier duty balls and so i don't know if that is gonna help i think it helps iga if you look mm-hmm. at the game style of iga's play I think it actually hurts on a little bit. She made kind of a tongue in cheek <laughs> comment of, you know, I hope I hope you get ha- happy. <laughs> um, so I, I but I but I also think that, yeah, we, we it, it feels like we've arrived to this moment where there is a lot of confidence coming in at the top of the women's game. And I don't necessarily feel as though we've had a moment like this for a couple years in terms of competitive players playing good to great quality mm. that are also operating on like a really high plane of confidence. Yeah. And that's what makes it really intriguing to me.
1: Yeah, the depth at the top, I think, is is deeper than it's been. We knew about the depth in the women's game, but you have some bona fide contenders where it wouldn't shock you. And I would add Vondrosva to the mix because, look, I mean, she won that unseated. And I know it was, you know, there's injury. She'd been a major finalist before Olympic silver medalist. but. She's playing the part of a, of a top ten player. She looks like a bona fide player that's gonna be in the deep draws at these majors for a long time to come.
2: Well, and I kind of I mentioned it with ons yeah. the 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 uh, the personality is different. Yeah. but Von Joseph walks into press room one in here mm-hmm. and is like so chill <laughs> and there's just I mean, it, sometimes I'm kind of like, wait i we need more tension like make us make make it feel like it's more than then we can know but i also think that that's been the secret of i mean that's why she won wimbledon right Mm -hmm. is because she walked out there and she was playing on's like she was playing her on a practice court in prague not center court in the Mm -hmm. wimbledon final and that's actually not an easy thing to do like an execution wise in these big big matches
1: Right, if you want to win Wimbledon, I think that's a key, right? Rabak and, uh, and Von Drosvo, just act like it's a regular match and keep your nerves in check. I mean, that was, you know, two years in a row. or a sensational uh, how they did that. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see at the women's game, and uh, I wanted to kind of just keep moving it along with some of the thoughts going into the open on both sides to kind of open it up, Nick. The Americans playing here, there's always the pressure and the expectation, but you know that if you play well, the crowd will fall in love with you and fall behind you. Uh, on the American front, you know, starting with the guys, who's kind of got your eye in terms of who could go on a run Tiafo again? Paul comes in with a lot of, of of run and emotion. Eubanks looking to fill it up. Fritz, of course. Where are we at assessing the guys coming into the U.S. Open?
2: I I really like where the guys are at, you know, and, and you talk about, like, having to arrive on the stage, and, you know, this is the U.S. Open. We saw it last year with Francis, and he he arrived in the moment. He beats Rafa. He follows it up over Rublev. Um, I think for me, I was just—I <laughs> did another interview a little bit ago, and I, Tommy Paul is my dark horse pick, not only for for the Americans but for the men, and not to not to win the title. I mean, he could he can, but to to go deep, mm-hmm. um, he's in the Rublev section of the draw, or excuse me, he's in the Runa section of the draw. Runas had that back injury, so we're not sure exactly how Holger's feeling. I really, I think him beating alcaraz in toronto and then playing him as closely as he did in cincinnati i think that has sent like ripples through the american contingent of like oh tommy's like playing toe-to-toe with carlos like that's huge and obviously i know it's bigger over five sets but i i think that i like his like mental space and where he's been with his tennis this summer a little bit more than fritz and tiafo right now i'll be very interested to see for you know francis has Lerner tn in the first round fritz uh taylor fritz has stevie j steve johnson those are those are tricky you know fellow american first rounds we saw what happened for taylor last year against brendan holt so yeah and then you know you look at players like chris eubanks like ben shelton even a guy like Mackie McDonald, you know, can they, Sebastian Corda? can they find some momentum with a couple matches behind them? It's certainly possible.
1: Tommy Paul is getting a lot of love. You're, you're not the only one, and I can totally see why. The section of the draw certainly helps. But also, yeah, the, the matches with Alcaraz, and I know five sets is different, but he wasn't getting tired in three grueling sets, and he was staying right with him, which very few can say. To, so to follow up that second match where he nearly won again, to, you know, get Alcaraz's readjustment and still be there was just tremendous. He's won for sure. I think I've, I've been on record. Fritz needs his moment here. I think it could come this year, and I think it would happen pretty fast. And then, yeah, of course, you know, I'm a little biased, but Eubanks following up Wimbledon with a lot of hype and now seated in a major. I mean, he won his first major match ever at this tournament last year. And my quickly how times have changed. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's it's pretty insane, you know, and I think that conditions-wise, the courts are, the qualifying headlines are that the courts are playing yeah. pretty quick, which we expect them to at the U.S. Open, but that's huge for the huge serve of Eubanks. And then again, I think it's going to be able to, you know, for him, it, it's intriguing to me because you go from being kind of like a journeyman challenger player to all of a sudden you're playing you're on GMA and you're you know like he was at the Stars of the Open he got the roaring applause (laughs) like people like know Chris Eubanks I mean I'm guessing I haven't looked at the order of play but I'm guessing that's going to be a grandstand match or like something where they're just gonna like people are going to go wild for that and I I think it will be interesting to me at least all of I know Chris pretty well like I think he's gonna handle it fine but that's a lot for a Mm -hmm. player to adjust to and then Mm -hmm. be able to execute your game plan
1: yeah, Grandstand tomorrow afternoon. He's on there, and uh, Kwan will be a tough one, but he's going to have all the love and support, so that'll be fun. Uh, a couple more things with Nick McCarvel before we wrap up here on Tennis Channel Inside and Got to show some love to the American women as well. You know, there's a lot to talk about. Obviously, Goff and Pagula are at the top, deservedly so, but I think there could be some dangerous players coming from the bottom side as well. Sloan Stevens has been better. Kennon's always tricky. We can see Madison Keys make a run, so... That'd be the other thing to remember. I know the top is pretty heavy, but especially in the uh, American side, there's a lot of dangerous players.
2: Well, I mean, you you look at uh, Sloan Stevens against Beatriz, how did Maya in oh. the first round? I mean, that could be an absolute popcorn match, which I think is amazing. And then, you know, I also think like having Jen Brady back, I think that's mm-hmm. a, infused the Americans with some some good energy. Having JB, a semifinalist here, obviously uh, Australian Open runner-up in 2021. Um, you know and i I think too like pagula and goff have done well to sort of lead the pack i mean jess jess has been outspoken of like i i like being called the number one american like i've earned i've earned this spot i think that's big um i i it's so hard to predict as someone like maddie keys like what sort of version of her game are we gonna get Mm -hmm. but uh yeah I, i i especially think someone like her or like a sloan if they get into week two, they're not going to be phased by, by being there. And yeah, I mean, a lot of that attention has mm-hmm. gone to Pagula and, and Goff, yeah. hasn't it? So we'll, we'll see how they can fare.
1: I got her. I got to throw in. So she doesn't get mad at me. Danielle Collins, just okay. we, <laughs> you know, she's, nobody like her, but that's another player that if she gets going and isn't afraid of anyone or anything out there could do some damage. So uh, there's a lot to like in that regard. Uh, and before we wrap this up, just looking at the guys and the girls, what you know matches, what players outside of the big names do you think could really do some damage here? Because I have a few. I wanted to you know see if you have any off the top before I start sharing some.
2: Well, I think it'll be interesting to see how Mukova. You know, Mukova lost in the first round at Wimbledon, but I thought you know I was in Cincinnati as we talked about. I think that she you know played played great tennis there to get to the final. So now I'm, and I think her game actually matches up really well at the U.S. Open. Um, so I'm, I'm very intrigued there. I, I, I'm, I'm quite intrigued by how things will play out for Tommy Paul um, this tournament overall. And then I, I actually think you know the looming question marks for me, like around a Casper Ruud or a Holger Runa, mm-hmm. How are they actually going to show up? Uh, at the at the final major of the year. Yeah. I would love to see I know I'm hopscotching here Mitch but That's I would perfect. love to see um Amira Andriva, Coco Goff second round. Yeah. Cuz cuz that is certainly a potential. Um yeah. and I, I I do think that Lerner Tien, you know, if if he can get stuck in against Francis.
0: Yeah.
2: Um Francis has had a I would say Francis has had a tough summer, you know, mm-hmm. it hasn't been a great. He loses to Wawrinka in Cincinnati the week after he lost to Raonic in, in Toronto on, you know, in front of packed houses. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, if, if you're learner TN, if you're team TN, then you have to, <laughs> you have to be backing your charge. Um, yeah. and then I, I, I love, you know, I was talking about Vika, like I, w- I would love to see the Azarenka, um, tr- I would love to see a run from her. Yeah. and that that to me thematically then lends to like yeah. how's the wasniaki come back gonna go how's the nisha corey come back yeah. gonna go and then what are we gonna get from players like Vavrenka or gail monfils yeah. which we were just yeah. talking about i mean we know that they can play so exceptionally well yeah. can they do it over five sets the conditions actually yeah. the forecast mitch isn't too crazy the next couple of weeks so yeah. i think that you know we're not gonna have brutal conditions Right. um Yeah, that was all over the place. What no, do you got? No, it's perfect.
1: And a lot of that I, I share. Um, you mentioned his name. I just will say first round match Milos and Sitsapas could be something in terms of Milos coming back, his comeback. He beat Tiafo. There is pressure there for Francis. I wanted to add a name, you know, see where we are with Ben Shelton, what his game looks like, because it has been up and down, a little down at times. But, you know, the crowd would just be all about it if he goes on a run, which we've seen. Uh, other names, I mean, we, it's funny because we said all this and I was guilty of it too, but no one's really talking about Daniil Medvedev, who's won here and made a final and just, you know, ho-hum, he's the third best player in the world and kind of enjoys the lurking process. So he would be one to kind of see for me. And then the other name I had, you know, we haven't talked about her, but finalists as well, Layla Fernandez, what kind of game she has here and another pe- person that New Yorkers came to, came to know and love. So, yeah, the, the comeback side of it, especially with the mothers on tour, That's a good avenue to consider because now it's like a competitive, you know, at first it was like a comeback. Like it's great to see all of them, which it is, but now they're, they're getting competitive. Like they want to outdo each other, which is great to see. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 I agree. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I asked Ega when we did the media day thing about doing the event the other day with Roger Federer and obviously Ben Shelton was there too. And I mean, you know, Shelton's part of Federer's agency so obviously they talk a fair amount I would imagine but I think you know I I do wonder like is there a little bit of like being around Roger and Mm -hmm. and the week before the US Open and maybe just getting some advice and you know Ben's facing a lot of this stuff for the first time um yeah but it does feel like the big show and I, I am I'm curious, you know, these first, obviously the first three rounds, you just get so many different storylines coming out, and I think that this one, I feel like we're going to get served a pretty good U.S. Open. I feel like we are primed for some really, really great stories and storylines to unfold.
1: Yeah, there's so many. And uh, just before I forget the two other players, obviously Svitolina, throw her into the mix, see what she can continue to act to this remarkable comeback. And I wouldn't sleep. The odds are long, but I think uh Kazakina could have a good U.S. Open too. She just always uh, seems to be in the mix, and uh, her return game puts her in matches. So won't go all the way and say winning it, but someone that could be very dangerous. Uh but Nick, this has been a blast. I appreciate you thanks, you know Nick. carving out some time here. Last thing as we wrap this up, what's some advice you have for maybe people going to the event? You know, you're kind of a seasoned uh you know a veteran here covering it. So if you're an attendee of the U.S. Open. You know, especially early when there's a lot going on, do you have any tricks or advice you give to people to get the best viewing experience?
2: Yeah, I mean, I this is actually my 15th U.S. Open, which is making <laughs> me feel a little little senior. Um, my, my biggest tip is if you're coming from the city, take the Long Island Railroad. Don't take the 7 train. I mean, I, I love a 7 train, but yeah. the Long Island Railroad from Penn Station takes 16 minutes, which is amazing. And then, I mean... Uh, it's it's not going to be a big surprise to anyone but like get the app go to the field courts like go and like sit courtside so that you're like 10 feet away from the court and watch two players that you've never heard of or find someone you know from a country you want to support or find an American that you you <laughs> yeah. know want to support and and get up close I, I just think that the field courts mm-hmm. are priceless and then yeah obviously like the big stadiums are, are amazing um, and then there is, I don't know what it's called. There's the lobster shack. It's over by Grandstand. Go get
1: a lobster roll. Okay. You're going to pay
2: like 30 bucks for it, but do it. Oh, it's yeah. worth it.
1: It's bucketless. Yeah. Well, you're speaking my language, yeah. too. The number one rule <laughs> at these tournaments is go early when there's so many options and just yeah. really yeah, go yeah. to the outer courts and experience it. But. We uh, we're delighted to have you on the podcast, the official reoccurring guest. Good luck with everything covering the tournament. I know you're going to be busy, but it's a blast to uh, to do, and it's a blast to have you on this show. So Nick McCarville, thanks again for coming on Tennis Channel Inside In.
2: Thanks, Mitch. Appreciate it.
1: A very heartfelt thanks to Nick McCarville for joining Tennis Channel Inside In. A very busy man during the US Open fortnight, but he wouldn't have it any other way pleasure to talk tennis with him always learn some things as well so thanks to nick for joining the show yet again and now it's time for some interviews with a few players from the wta event in cleveland ohio tennis in the land first up it's clara Tolson from denmark the 20 year old is on the comeback trail after some injuries trying to break into the top 30 for the first time get back to where she belongs one of the next-gen players on the wta that you need to learn about and watch her career unfold she talks about the comeback progress what she's trying to do to improve her training and her match play some funny stories as well at the hopman cup playing with countrymate mate olger runa here's claire tossing now on tennis channel inside In. all right now being joined here on tennis channel inside in from tennis in the land in cleveland by the Danish, no longer teenager, felt like you were around as a teenager forever, but you just took out the top seed in the tournament, the top ranked player in the tournament, Clara Towson. Clara, thanks for joining the show. Really appreciate talking to you. Starting with today's match, you took out a very good player in relatively routine form. What was the key to success, especially that second set where you just kind of ran away with it?
3: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, today I felt really good. I was obviously just happy to be in the main draw after my loss yesterday. And uh, I was looking forward to getting a really tough match uh, before the Open because there I can meet everybody in the first round. So I was happy to just like compare my level today. But then I saw that I was I was there and I was feeling good and uh, then I took my chances. and. Um, yeah, I went with it today, and the first set was crucial, I think, for yeah. that. And, yeah, then the second set was a bit easier for me.
1: Do you feel like having lost yesterday and getting the benefit, the good fortune of being in the tournament, did that kind of lets your guard down? It's almost like you're playing with house money, as an American phrase mm-hmm. goes. You had the pressure completely come off.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, even if I'd been in the main draw uh, from the beginning, I don't think I had any pressure today. I mean, she's a... Uh I don't know, 11, 12 in the world, and yeah. a Grand Slam champion. So yeah, I had no pressure today, and even less coming in with really? losing yesterday.
1: We knew about your serve from a long time, but the stat that jumped out was four, six break points, and I know that's everyone's working on it. But it did seem like you're playing efficient in those big moments.
3: Yeah, I had a, a lot of trouble yesterday with my serve, um, with the wind and the sun and everything. So I was really focused on that today and um, yeah, that paid off. Uh, it's not every day I serve like this, unfortunately, yeah. but uh, yeah. yeah, it was a big focus point for me today. So I was super happy about that.
1: So getting the kind of your upbringing and certain things in tennis, I know everyone's probably wanting to know what Justine Hennen and her camp was like. You picked a very good one to go to, to learning from her. but. I see how the similarities are translated a little bit, the aggressive nature and how you like to dictate play. What was that experience like going to her academy?
3: Well, yeah, I was there for three years from I was 16 to 19 around this time. And, and yeah, I mean, uh, I was there with a coach and we were working every day there and she was watching and uh, I never, I was a little young to watch hmm. her play, but of course I saw some videos. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we're a bit different in body types and everything. But uh, yeah, I try to play my own game, and uh, yeah, of course you take some things here and there uh, yeah. from what you see and what you hear. But uh, yeah, it was a good time for me.
1: Do you feel like this is a moment, like a Denmark tennis moment, like you're on the you're you're one of the you know central forces? Because you know before Wasniewski there wasn't really much historically, and now you have yourself and Holger, who I've known since when you were like eight, nine, ten years old.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, we're definitely in a good spot right now, tennis-wise. I hope some younger players are also coming up. Uh, I don't see too much, unfortunately, but... uh, Yeah, I think we're in a good moment. Obviously, Holger's like top five in the world now and um, hopefully I'll get there at some point, but uh, I've had my difficulties, so I'm focusing on myself, but of course I'm super happy for the whole country and for us.
1: It seemed like you were trending there when you got up to, I think, 33 and then unfortunately the injuries happened. Australia 2022 is when a lot of people first really were introduced to you in the skill level. The Conte match was the biggest win, obviously. Yep. But you pushed the, the finalist, Danielle Collins, to three tight sets. I know it's hard to, in the moment, appreciate that because it's a tough loss. But it had to feel a little better when you just started knocking off top seed after top seed all the way to the final.
3: Yeah, I mean, of course, you can put it uh, both ways. It could have been you and then it's her... Yeah, uh, but yeah, of course, uh, I've always been very comfortable in Australian Open from my junior time as well. But um, yeah, I think really that tournament is special for me and I played some really good tennis there. And I'm trying to get back to that level after all my injuries. And uh, I think I saw a bit of it today.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I wanted uh, one thing, too, when you were talking about Denmark and you were in the Hopman Cup. I saw that photo and I wanted to get you to clarify did you sign a kid's face in post <laughs> yeah I did uh,
3: he asked me to sign it I wasn't too sure about that yeah. but uh, his mom was very adamant that it's I like, signed no, sign it, it yeah. so uh, yeah I, I, I did that it was a first for me okay
1: <laughs> yes. hey, well the, the fandom's there I mean it's it's an interesting request but you know a woman of the people <laughs> yeah
3: I tried to be <laughs> yeah yeah
1: um, you know and, and the last thing on, on Holger and your friendship I just want to know because your ping pong game that was like the stuff we had co-workers that were like there are serious ping pong players out there so be aware was that another hobby of yours your whole life
3: well i think as a tennis player if you can't play ping pong oh, <laughs> you need okay. to you need to do a little <laughs> I, I never really play but yeah when when we're together at tournaments and yeah. we see a table we we try to play especially over here in america they have a lot of fun games that we play together when okay. we're in the same spots okay. but uh, yeah, it's something I've done since I was young and just had fun with it.
1: That's, no, that's an interesting thing, uh, for sure, and just kind of coming back from the injury and everything that you've had to deal with, did you want to take a very specific approach to when you would come back, because that's a hot button issue, players, are they coming back too soon, when is enough, what was your approach to coming back from an injury?
3: Well, it was my first uh, big injury, so, of course, I was the player who wanted to get back too soon. And uh, I did a couple of times, but it was never really working for me. So, in the end, I I took my time. And then, when I came back, I really, I was there and I was feeling good. And mm-hmm. then, I d- did something with my foot, but <laughs> that's another story. Off the record, But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but, like, um... I think I, I learned a lot from that experience, it was okay. my first real injury, and of course a back injury is never really yeah. a nice one, because you can't do anything at all. Um, but yeah, I think for the future, I mean, I'm a, an athlete, so I'm gonna get injured yeah. again, that's for sure. But. Um, yeah i know a lot more about my body now and okay. how i'm gonna feel well
1: in that same vein i know, you know you're still super young some would not me call you still a child but you're you know, 20 now have you had to adjust your training as you become a pro and play more growing matches and more tennis
3: well yeah you need to prepare your body this is an insane sport compared to like how many tournaments we play how many weeks we play and we have zero breaks mm. so have to really, you have to really get your breaks, you have to make your breaks even though there is a tournament every week and uh, that's something I'm still struggling with a bit because you want to play, you want to play, you want to get points, you want to yeah. win matches but like you, you have to take care of yourself and I'm um, trying to do that yeah. the best as possible but yeah you have to train an insane amount of hours just to be yeah. ready for this.
1: How do you find confidence in like the process? Because obviously tennis, there's only one winner every week. Are you looking at specific parts of your game? Like if I show improvement here, it can be a good week, even if I didn't, you know, go super deep.
3: Well, I mean, yeah, as you said, I'm still young, even though I don't yeah. feel like it. Um, yeah. I I try to take every positive I can, and I'm still, even though it's been a, some months now that I've been injury free, I'm still I'm still trying to get back at my real level and. Yeah, I think every week I can take a positive even mm-hmm. though I don't win the tournament. I'm yeah. still happy about some progress I'm, yeah. I'm making and yeah, I'm just happy to be able to play.
1: Yeah, I know that ranking is an important factor. You were at 33, but we know the level and that, that's kind of a gift and a curse, right? When someone says you have all this potential, which clearly you're, you fit the bill there, but you have to still get to the ranking marks and check off those boxes.
3: Yeah, I mean, of course the ranking is an important thing in tennis Uh, I'm top 100 now that's that's nice but uh, that's not where I want to be Um, just in the lower (laughs) lower part of the hundreds but uh, yeah I'm I mean with the like Last couple of years yeah. I have I've had I'm just happy to be in a main draw a slam without okay. having to <laughs> the, yeah. do the qualifiers and um, yeah I'm uh, of course I'm chasing a better ranking but yeah. first of all I'm chasing a better level day by okay. day by day.
1: Well, I mean, the level has been there in your generation, too. I think that stood out. Most people don't realize you beat Emirata Kanyu before, literally right before that U.S. Open run, and it seems like you're one of the names that maybe people are starting to remember more in that generation. This new era of WTA player, your peers, it's a pretty high level, and I think it's going to raise everybody's game.
3: Yeah, I think our age group, 2002 and younger, especially our like 2002, has always been a really, really tough uh, category, I think. I mean, I remember doing under-12s, under-14s, I was nobody. Everybody was uh, a lot better than me, but yeah. uh, I kept going at it, and of course, uh, the same players I played in under-14s, they're here, so... Yeah. So for me, yeah, I think we're doing really really good with the younger generation, and we're playing some, some good tennis, and uh, yeah, I'm hoping it's gonna keep going like this.
1: Well, this has been great, Claire Toss, and really appreciate it. The last thing is you've got a match coming up with a younger, a little older, but not too much, Leo Fernandez, another big opportunity for you to play a good player and then make a run deep into this tournament. What are you looking forward to in that matchup?
3: Well, yeah, she's one of my good friends and I've known her for 10 years, I think. Uh, So it's going to be an exciting matchup. Uh, I think we always play some tough matches against each other. And I saw that she had a very good first round here. So uh, yeah, of course, I'm just uh, I'm happy to get another match and hopefully it will be a good one.
1: We wish you the best, Claire. Toss and this was a blast. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Tennis Channel Inside. And In. we'll try to find you a ping pong table, <laughs> and we'll let all the parents know that faces are <laughs> full full game and beast time. Thanks for coming on the show.
3: Thank you.
1: We finished this week's show with another interview with the WTA player Alexander Sasnovich sastavich has been on tour for quite some time still searching for that first title but she sat down after a win at the wta event in cleveland tennis in the land to discuss her career path why she chose tennis over another sport that might surprise you and what she's hoping to accomplish this year and beyond Alexandra Sastovich now on tennis channel inside it in. right tennis channel inside in here on the tennis channel podcast network from tennis in the lane in cleveland ohio the tournament just started a lot of exciting action we're gonna probably start with the most exciting match of the entire tournament joined now by alexandra sasnovich joining us on the podcast alexandra thanks for taking the time after such a hard fought match
4: (laughs) yeah uh thank you uh it was really nice match and when the score was Zero five. 5 I was not even thinking that I can win I was thinking like let's try to win one game so I was already in New York I think. Yeah, yeah. but I remember that I didn't book the hotel not So yet. Mm, please one more game yeah. one more game yeah just stay in the match and try your best and in the end it's but honestly um, my concentration level wasn't at my best
1: so okay but finding a way and we can see that at all levels like top yeah. of the top every tour in tennis is such an ultimate sport where it's survival of the fittest but also it's problem solving so i think in what i saw from the 50 part was you just took it one point at a time and found a way
4: yeah but before i was negative you know and it's not so nice you have to be positive you mm-hmm. know and yeah, I have to work on it.
1: Okay. okay, well, it started in the right direction, so there's some baby steps there. There's some stuff I wanted to get to with you, and I don't know if you remember this match because you're a pro player, you play all the time. First time I ever saw you play in person was at Indian Wells five years ago against Wozniacki. And it was one of the more brutal condition days. It was hot, it was you know Palm Springs. And you two, the styles, how they matched up, it was just a war of attrition, and you found a way to outlast her and I've followed your career since then kind of closely and that's kind of what the vibe I've got from you is that you find a way to fight through even on days like today where it might not be your best, you're going to stay in it and I think that is a testament to your conditioning more than anything. Mm,
4: yeah, you, you mean the match in Indian yeah. yeah, I remember this match I played against Wozniacki, yeah, but I think I played a little bit stupid, you know, <laughs> because um, she likes to run all the balls back and I play just boom, 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 yeah. you know? And sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes it's worse, yeah. but the, but with the players like Wozniacki, yeah. you have to be more smarter. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Do you find yourself out there frustrating players? Because I, I do think that they might not enjoy playing against you, you give them more variety than certain players, you sense that too? Um,
4: when I'm totally concentrated on the match mm-hmm. and on the <laughs> opponent, I honestly, I, I don't want to play against myself. No, no, yeah, there you go. Because yeah, I have a kick serve that the girls didn't like it. No. Sometimes I can mix it. I have a flat backhand. I have a spin forehand. So when I'm good in my mind, mm-hmm. so I can be dangerous.
1: Yeah, I, I, we've seen that before, and you've had a chance to play against some of the very best. I know the match against Serena at Wimbledon. There was a lot going on. It was unfortunate how it ended, but that. If you could just walk me through what it's like, you have to be the other side of that story, and you played your part, you were able to advance. What was it like going through that from the side where maybe everybody's not on your side?
4: Um, Honestly, I was uh, really happy that I play, that I have a chance to play against uh, Second Sister, like, because I play already against Venus, and I wanted to play against Serena, so I was happy. Mm -hmm. And I really love to play on the big arenas. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, uh, I was going on the court, and I was. It was one of these days that you know you're gonna do yourself. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna do everything that you can, that you're gonna fight. Mm-hmm. You have um, good energy inside right. you, and. Um, the people the atmosphere you play yeah. against Serena so that's you knew that I knew that I'm going to play well no that's interesting i was yeah. ready to play uh, yeah. and i was like um, how to say my energy mm-hmm. level was um, most i think on 90% yeah. so and probably she felt it i don't yeah. know because when you play against opponents you feel yeah. you feel each other yeah.
1: So you're one of the people that loves the stage then, because that's, you know, you're saying like you had no choice, like I'm going to play my best, I'm going to bring uh, When I'm on a big yeah. arena, if, yeah. I'm,
4: if I'm really in a bad shape, I know that I will I will fight till then. Okay. Probably I'm not going to show my best tennis, but that I'm going to okay. fight, yeah.
1: Not in New York yet, still got some tennis here. Uh, I wanted to know about your background. I know you're, it's athletics across the board with your family, your parents dad hockey, mom basketball, why were you tennis? And and later than most, I saw it was like 9, 10 when you first really started to play. What was it about tennis?
4: Um, yeah, I started to play at nine before I did Taekwondo. So taekwondo. I was okay. uh, sportive. I want to, to try uh, since like 20 years past, I want to, I really loved it. So okay. I was, I choose between Taekwondo and tennis. Okay. And then one day my dad, um, he has a friend and his child was playing tennis. Mm-hmm. My dad was playing uh, tennis like amateur. Mm-hmm. He was top 60 in the world, okay. 45 plus, I okay. think, or 40 plus. Uh, so he played really well. He had <laughs> a kick surf
1: okay. as well, oh, yeah. <laughs> like That's
4: me. Yeah, but his was better. Oh. Um, yeah, and he, he asked me if I want to play, but he didn't want me to be a professional tennis player. Just for yourself, just enjoy, you know, because yeah. um, I had a good life, I enjoy my young ages, I have life till 13, so I went mm-hmm. to school uh, yeah. every day from 9 o'clock in the morning till 9 o'clock till the evening, I was with the kids outside, not just right. an iPad, because at that time we didn't have it, no. we just run, we just have fun, so I was a sportive girl. And yeah. I really enjoy that tennis. Well, a couple
1: couple things. One, we'll make sure the rest of the tour knows Taekwondo to kind of not get on your bad side there with how, how you are to defend yourself. But you're speaking to, you know, maybe not the young generation. It'd be good if they heard that it's better to get outside and be mm-hmm. normal. Do you think that might not to get too deep, but that kept you in tennis and enjoying tennis that you didn't just burn out early? that you had a social life? Mm,
4: I think yes, because even now I try to sometimes, okay, I play the tournament, yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, I finished my match, so now I'm not thinking about tennis, I'm thinking that I go, for example, for shopping or Anna Danilina, she has birthday yesterday, so we're gonna go to celebrate, you know, I can, Mm -hmm. uh, how to say, fast.
1: Um, yes, yeah, so you turn it on. Turn I turn it, off. it on very yeah. fast. Yeah.
4: So I try to enjoy life because uh, I cannot concentrate just on tennis. I'm not this kind of. <laughs> I have to eat chicken with rice. I have to be like hundred percent professional. It's not about me. I want yeah. to enjoy the life.
1: You want a good meal and maybe some. some not just
4: burgers. Yeah. I'm <laughs> not eating. I don't like. But yeah. to enjoy, yeah. to eat a little bit of chocolate, to eat like to 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 live, okay. to enjoy because life is yeah. too short and. When leave? When to leave?
1: We got some recommendations. We can get you for some chocolate in yeah. town here too. But that's that's very you know impactful stuff. Saying that, I know you've said in the past that you love playing on indoor hard courts. Is outdoor growing on you? Because you've started to have some success in recent years. Made the final here. the come back today. Or is it still just indoors, your favorite surface?
4: Honestly, I'm not thinking about this. I, I like to play everywhere. Even before clay court, I hated, but in <laughs> the Roland Garros, I passed four rounds, or three yeah. rounds, I was in the fourth round, I, okay. I lost. But mm, I really enjoy to play everywhere. If I'm in a good mood, Yeah. it's most important. So because I think I can play everywhere good, mm-hmm. Uh, it's because of of you yeah. how you feel happy you are or not happy have you pr- problems in your life or not yeah so you have don't have problem i can show yeah. really good tennis i think so not st- just Oh, no,
1: for sure uh, are, are you still feeling pretty fresh and spry i know you know 29 you know not what it used to be and it seems like a lot of your best tennis is ahead of you how are you feeling cuz you've been you know a pro for so long and still yeah when get... i went
4: to uh, one cos- cosmetology okay he to, she told me that i looked like 35 and i was so mad on her i was laying <laughs> yeah in
1: the, who's that we don't the, we don't need to talk yeah. to that person okay yet.
4: yeah now i'm 29 yeah <laughs>
3: yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah and what
1: no you, just like how you're feeling uh, going forward feel.
0: yeah
4: um i feel just my experience i have a good body um i feel my body very well uh, i don't have too many injuries yeah, it's pretty um, much a wood table, yeah. No, yeah, no injuries. <laughs> yeah. Or here. Or here, yeah. <laughs> no injuries. Uh, so I don't have uh, big problems like other players with the health. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Um, I feel fresh. Are you? I, feel, I feel I feel. like on 25.
1: Yeah, hey, that, that's that's it. And here
4: I'm really young, <laughs> you know. I'm Sometimes I'm like my coach and other people who are around me. Oh, Sasha, oh my God, you're thinking like this. You're still... Oh. No.
1: Hey, that's going to help you in the long run. You're still fresh and loving the game. Um, are you looking forward to, it seems like you've managed your schedule pretty well. You play when you're feeling up for it and you aren't going to rush back from anything when there's a little discomfort. Are you still looking ahead to this U.S. Open and then beyond it in the fall?
4: Uh, I'm just thinking... Uh I'm gonna go today for shopping, that's it. (laughs) I'm not thinking about uh, US Open or some other stuff. I do not have even, I didn't book the hotel in New York. Uh, uh, Honestly, um, we didn't play in China for two years. And it's the best prize money (laughs) we have in Beijing. So, uh, I'm I'm excited to go to China. Because two years ago, I didn't like to to be there. I didn't like the food because okay. I like Italian food. Oh, okay. um, all uh, different mentality. So I think most of the players yeah. they prefer to play in Europe mm-hmm. or US.
1: Well, I, I tried to recommend some Italian last year mm-hmm. in town to one of the Italians that didn't go well. Yeah. But there is good Italian food here but it's not like in from gym. Italy. In, right now we're in yeah, Cleveland yeah. where we're at. But yeah, I know. Um, well, looking forward just as we wrap this up. Alexander Sasnovich, has been uh, a pleasure talking to you going forward as we kind of gear towards a little bit of the lighter stuff who are some of your friends and that was the camaraderie like in the locker room who are some of your girls that you get along with the best
4: um Anna Danilina
1: okay yeah
4: she's a doubles player Ekaterina Aleksandrova yeah um, Lydia Morozova
1: okay that's it <laughs> yeah that's it you got to squad um, but there knows
4: my how to say friends okay. mm, they're just the colleagues I don't believe in friends in tennis. okay um, I try to be nice to everyone I try to think nice about the people mm-hmm. but uh, the close people is just my family Good. and uh, one girl she's not from sport okay um, yeah, because I'm a close person and I don't mm. believe too much people, yeah. so... Okay,
1: well, tight circle, makes sense. tight on this, this yeah.
4: I, you know, Because I think American players, they're like open all the time, they're, they're different. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Probably if I'm not gonna be like like yeah. this, it's not gonna be me. Okay. So, and um, a lot of people telling me, the coaches, my parents, that I need to talk uh, to talk more, to make friends. But I feel good, you know, Yeah. I, I have people around me, they're nice to me, I'm nice to yeah. them, and I'm, I'm, it's too much, you know. Well, hey,
1: it's competition <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah. people sometimes forget that. Um, yeah. Best of luck in this tournament, you made the final last year, you are very close to that first tournament title. And the vibes are pretty strong here so we'll see i mean a great run last year we'll see how it goes and i will do
4: my best i hope you're
1: i hope you're uh, enjoying the season enjoying the time here at tennis and the land mm-hmm. alexander sasnovich thanks so much for joining tennis channel inside mm-hmm.
4: thank you very much
1: huge thanks to every guest on this week's show nick carville clara tossing and alexander sasnovich Tennis Channel Inside In is a proud member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Just go to tennis.com slash podcast to listen to this show as well as our outstanding catalog of other shows. And Inside In is on all your podcast platforms. Go to Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Just click subscribe, leave a rating or a review, and you'll have automatically downloaded episodes to your phone or a listening device tennis channel inside in is available twice a week for the u.s open double the content double the fun with the year's final major taking place in new york city we can't wait to bring you more from the game's best and brightest faces whether that's players analysts journalists you name it tennis channel inside in is here for double the content with shows twice a week during the u.s open for all our guests nick mccarville clara tossin and alexander sasnovich my name is mitch michaels thank you for listening this was tennis channel inside in And we'll talk to you later this week.